Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Ellison, relationship coach and your host of Unbreakable You. Listen, I get it. Breakups and divorces suck, but they don't have to break you. You may be hurting, feeling confused, or wondering what the hell just happened to your life. But join me as I share interviews with men and women who have battled the impossible and have come out living an even better life. I also interview experts and authors as well as provide you with coaching tidbits along the way. And know this, your life is about to get really amazing. Why? Because your breakup is a gift. It will show you your truth and what's been missing in your life so now you can live your best life. Don't believe me yet? Keep listening and I'll show you that you are unbreakable. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Unbreakable You. So glad to have you here with me today. Today it's just you and me. I'm not having a guest. I don't have any other authors or experts. It's just the two of us. And that's really what I wanted to do moving forward with this new season of Unbreakable You is just kind of have these like just intimate podcasts between me and you. And I don't think they're going to be a whole hour long, but just something that you could be listening to on your way to work or when you're walking your dog, something that could hopefully just keep you going. So the topic that I'm going to be talking to you today is about the question that I get almost every day from someone. I either get it from my clients, I either get it from people uh, on my emails, my Facebook page, my Instagram page, you name it, there's some channel where people ask me, what if I'm the narcissist? And I remember that. I remember asking myself this a long time ago when I was in kind of marital struggles and thinking that it was me, that there was something wrong with me. And as I started to learn about narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder, you know, I saw a lot of myself in the descriptions of these things. And I think that's a really normal question that people ask. I think we do it for a couple of reasons. One is that we are really looking for a way to solve this problem. And being that we can't control the other person, it's much easier to control ourselves and to fix ourselves, right? We can't ever fix somebody else. So when we are kind of in this relationship and maybe even holding on to it and, and wondering if, if there's something we can do, that's kind of the first question we ask is, what am I doing wrong? And I remember thinking, oh my God, if you could just diagnose me with some kind of mental disorder and there's a pill for that, maybe that will make my marriage better. Of course, that wasn't the case. So I think that's kind of the first reason why people ask if they're the narcissist, because it can often make them feel better and more empowered and more in control. But here's where it kind of gets you into trouble. Because if you are still communicating with a narcissist, whether you are married to them, in the relationship with them, or you're in the process of divorcing, or you're in the process of co-parenting with one, you know, whatever the case is, you're still in contact with them for some reason. The more you hold up boundaries, the more you say no, the more you honor your truth, they experience what's called a narcissistic injury. So that's basically a threat to their false sense of self. And their false sense of self is this mask that they put onto the world. And all this time you've been together with this person, you've really fallen for it, right? But as you've gotten to know them more and you understand them and you really probably know them better than they know themselves, 
you start to just see and read into their bullshit. And then you might start to just say no, or I'm not going to deal with that anymore. And that's when you hold up a boundary. And I like just to keep it really simple because we can get into a million scenarios as to what that boundary would be. But the way I like to say it is, you've been literally in one big swimming pool with them and they are taking up the whole swimming pool. And then you start to put up swim lanes and they're trying to get over because they're not used to it. They're used to occupying the whole swimming pool. And so once you start to have a boundary and put some swim lanes up, it's like they're bouncing up against it and they don't like it. They're not used to it. So they will often project their own frustrations, their own personality disorder onto you so that you take it on as your disorder. And I have an expression that says, don't let their disorder become your disorder. And if you've been married to this person or been with this person for a really long time, you've actually been conditioned and rewarded for absorbing their disorder, for going along with it, for letting them occupy the entire pool, (laughs) the Olympic size pool. And so as you start to put up these little swim lanes, they don't understand it. So they're experiencing that narcissistic injury. And because they don't like to feel injured, it's, it's like weakening them. I also have another expression. You're going to hear me say it over and over again, but boundaries are like kryptonite to narcissists. Okay. So it weakens them. Boundaries weaken them. And they don't like to feel weak, right? It's like their number one greatest fear. If you look at my book, Magic Words, How to Get What You Want from a Narcissist, I talk about how their fears and insecurities are these deep-rooted thoughts and emotions deeply rooted into their subconscious from their childhood. And so it's like you're tapping on them and bringing them out. So in order for them not to be exposed, they don't want to be exposed as weak or um weaklings or insecure, that boundary is going to do just that, even though your your intentions may not be to do that. Your intentions are just to protect yourself and honor who you are. So what they often do is it's amazing how they project. And it's a real old psychological term. Remember, if you ever took Psych 101, it's projection. And how they project is they take everything they feel and worry and they're scared about themselves they put it onto you and they accuse you of being all of those things. Now, if you've been under many years of emotional abuse or gaslighting and all these kind of psychological tricks that they play on you, you have probably been believing it for a really long time. And whether you've been going through therapy or coaching or doing a lot of reading on this whole narcissism thing, you're going to start to come out of this little fog you've might been in for many, many years. And you're going to realize that like, oh my God, maybe it isn't me, it's them. And that's what keeps you going. That's what, you know, more swim lanes you have, the more you're going to get out of that pool and get into your own. Okay. But what they end up doing is if you're in an argument with them, let's say you're trying to co-parent and you're trying to, um, They're trying to get something from you and you might say no or whatever the boundary that you have and you express it, they might accuse you of being a narcissist. And being that, that might already be a trigger word for you, it might really freak you out 
which is what people write me all the time. They're like, oh, my God, maybe I am. Maybe I'm the narcissist. And, um, and you know how bad narcissism is. So then you question that. And I got to tell you, I can't tell you how many times my ex has probably accused me of being a narcissist. Or he'll even say, well, you accused me of being a narcissist and you were being so narcissistic. I mean, it's really ridiculous, right? But um, so this is what I wanted to break down for you is kind of like what that means and are you, are you not? And, and the first response I have to pretty much everyone who writes me is if you're going to ask me if you're a narcissist, or let's rephrase that, if you're going to ask yourself whether you are a narcissist, you're not. Because why? Narcissists don't ever self-reflect. They never take accountability. What do they do best? They blame. They become martyrs. They're the victim of your aggressions. So a true healthy person, we're going to make mistakes, right? And we've all had our asshole moments. We've all said things that we haven't meant to say, we didn't mean to say, we've been angry, we've done, we've said some nasty stuff, okay? Let's all just own that <laughs> and admit it in some way. But the difference between a narcissist and a healthy person is you self-assess, you apologize, you might have guilt, you feel bad, you repent, you confess, um, you journal, and you start to do an inventory of all the things you may have done, good or bad. So narcissists don't do that. I have never, and the narcissists that I've known in my lifetime, they never ever do that. And the only time I've seen them do that is when they're actually acting still, that they're playing this real empathy card only to manipulate you further. So a true narcissist might even kind of hide behind this kind of empathetic mask, even especially to, you know, gain um, acceptance and approval, approval of others. So for instance, if your ex is saying to all of your friends, what a great husband or wife she, he or she was, um, and they might say to their friends and family, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, okay? That's very different than them telling you, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, what can I do to fix this? Okay, those are like real healthy cues. And so if you're not hearing that, then that's, you know, again, of course, you know this, it's part of the problem. So when you are experiencing this like question of what if I'm a narcissist, okay, I want you to just journal some of the some of these questions, okay, because a lot of the times we have a narrative in our head that really doesn't belong to us. That narrative is an echo of our ego, and that ego um, and all of kind of these lies and these stories that we make up, we're really never, they never come from our, our spirit, our divine truth, our self, our heart. They come from our ego. And I always say, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot, and this is something that I'm really, really, um, I really try to get people to understand this. And I think you're going to hear me talk about it a lot because it's something that um, it's hard to wrap your head around. Okay. But we essentially have two brains. We have a brain in our head and in our skull, but we also have a brain in our heart. And there are some amazing videos and, and scientific proof about how our heart will actually send us signals um, to our brain 
before our brain even registers them. So our heart is really our truth. I'm going to just kind of simplify it for this particular episode. But when we are in this place of um, wondering what the hell our truth is, our ego is running off this narrative, masking itself to think that it's actually the truth when it's not. So when you are starting to, you know, ego is typically kind of negative thinking, like, what if I'm a narcissist? Um, I'm so stupid. I'm not worthy. I'm a victim. I feel sorry for myself. I'm not pretty enough or fill in the blank. I'm not enough of something. Okay. That's all ego. And that ego comes from so much of what we were taught as a child as well as depending on the relationship that you've been in with this person, it comes from that. It comes from you being told that over and over again. And when you have a narcissistic parent or a narcissistic boyfriend, spouse, whatever it is, and you're told those things over and over again, the way you start to believe it is because they subconsciously subconsciously reward you with you accepting those negative things. And what does that mean when they reward you? It's when you start to, let's say, not put yourself first, for instance, you're always putting yourself second. You'll have, let's say, less conflict with your spouse, less conflict with that narcissistic parent. Um, They might even verbally reward you and say, you know, you're such a giver. I love that about you. Um, I love that you're that pleasing mom, love that how you're always working so hard. And, or even, you know, when you're a kid, I love that you're, you're such a good girl. It's that good girl complex. Even boys go through this. That's good boy complex. And so over and over when you are rewarded for not having boundaries and punished for having them, when you start to put on your new training wheels of having new boundaries, you're going to get punished for them which is such as someone telling you that you're a narcissist. So do not believe it. All right, so then what do you say when someone says that you're a narcissist? Okay, how do you respond to that? Um, My first piece of advice, which is quite simply, don't, don't even engage in it. Don't tell them why you're not a narcissist. Don't start to tell them, no, you're a bigger narcissist than I am. Now you're kind of playing tit for tat and you're still kind of in this, I call it like a game of bad ping pong. Nobody's winning here. So you just ignore it. And especially if it's done via text, it's an easy thing to ignore. If you are in, let's say, um, kind of in person with someone and they're calling you a narcissist, you can just walk away and just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to walk away from this conversation. This is not getting me anywhere. But at the end of the day, it's really important to all of you guys to not think that you're the narcissist. So here's what you're going to do. It's an exercise that I have a lot of my clients do. And it's, guess what? It's something I still do. Um, It helps me get out of my funk and, you know, clear that narrative and understand what's the ego and what's my heart telling me. So the first thing I want you to do is write down, what is the story I'm making up about this particular issue? Okay. So if it's, you know, I am a narcissist, if you're wondering that, I want you to write down of all the things that your ego is telling you, okay? So it might be, um, I, uh, well, I was really mean to him, or, you know, I really don't want to take my kids to um, the four different birthday parties this weekend because I really want to relax. 
And um, I feel really selfish for that. And then taking this to say that one example about the birthday parties, because we're so used to just running around and doing everything for everyone. When you start to have a boundary, you're going to start to question whether you're being selfish. Am I the narcissist? Am I the selfish person? And then the next thing I want you to write under it or put it in a column of what is the truth? What's the truth about that particular narrative that you're telling yourself? So using that example, it could be, well, uh, I've been working 40, 50-hour work week. I'm exhausted. And if I go to those four different birthday parties, that means I have no time for myself. And self-care is really important so that I um, maintain my job and maintain um, my ability to parent. And if I were to do all of those birthday parties, it would just do make nothing, you know, I, I would feel very resentful and it would be exhausting. And you know what? I'm not even sure if the kids even want to do all those birthday parties. What if it, my weekend was best spent just going for a walk or, you know, going to the beach with the kids? So you're going to start to break down the difference between what the narrative is telling you, what your ego is telling you. And as you're writing down what your ego is telling you, which might say the negative things that I was saying is, I'm so selfish, um, I'm a bitch, whatever the negative things might be. I want you to attach and kind of just do some soul searching here and go, whose voice is that? Do you hear your mother? Do you hear your father? Do you hear your ex, your spouse? Who, whose voice is that? Because guess what? If it was coming from the heart, your heart is nothing but love. Your heart is nothing but your divine soul. And if you are uh, any believer of faith, if you believe in God, God would never say those things to you. Um, so we should be saying those things to ourselves. So that is not your voice. And then once you've started to kind of get through this process and write down the narrative, uh, the, the, the negative narrative, and then writing down your truth, I want you to make a mantra and write down, I am choosing to release this negative narrative that does not belong to me. I needed it at one point in my life, but I do not need it now. And if it's specifically a parent or a spouse or a voice that's really coming strong, maybe it's more than one person, right? If it's more than one and you are experiencing, you know, multiple voices, then choose to release all of them, okay? Um, let's say, say it's Bob and Mary. Bob, I'm choosing to release your voice out of my head. I no longer need you. Mary, I'm choosing to release your narrative out of my head. I no longer need you, and it's not my voice. I choose me. I choose my voice. And so that's a really great exercise that you can do on your own without the need of a coach and something that I want you to keep doing for yourself. And like I said, this is something that I learned a long time ago that I still do. If I need to get grounded, I'll sit outside. I will put away my phone. If something's bothering me, I will sit out and journal and I will write this stuff down. And then a lot of times I will take that journal and rip that page right out of the journal. And then I'll, light, I'll put a lighter to it and, and burn it so that it's a releasing process. So you guys are going to hear me talk a lot about like, we got to release that sometimes. It's our releasing process. So try doing that. It's really, it's, it's just kind of this like little magical thing. I think it's just, you're bringing forth the energy to your, to your conscious awareness, and then you're making a conscious choice to release it. And every time I do it, I just feel lighter. So I can't explain it, but I really want you guys to try that. Okay. 
And as you are starting to grow and the more boundaries that you have, it's going to be less and less feeling like it's a friction, like there's something wrong with you. And ultimately, over time, you're just going to completely um, avoid it and ignore it, and you're not going to succumb to it. Um, One of the things, too, I should mention is that let's say you have children and you are evolving out of this kind of codependent identity, which is mother, husband, wife or, you know, father, okay? And as you start to evolve out of that, not only will your ex kind of be completely thrown off by this new, you know, this new form self, this badass self of yours, but your kids might as well. So if you've been that mom or dad that's been a bit of a doormat, okay, and suddenly you start to change, our kids really can mess with us because we still love our kids, right? It's much easier to stop loving a partner who has abused us and they just haven't been good people, right? We can get over those people. But if it's our children, And they start, especially if they're teenagers, you know, I feel like they are always starting to get mouthy around like eight years old to, gosh, who knows, 22, okay? And when they start to get a little mouthy and you start to set rules and boundaries that they're not used to seeing from you, they're going to say that N-word and call you the narcissist, especially if said ex-spouse is telling them, your children, that you actually are a narcissist. And so they might come up with this word and say, oh, mom, you're such a narcissist. That's so narcissistic of you. And you're going to kind of look at them and go, what the hell are you, where did you learn that word? So here's a great opportunity um, for you to just literally ask them and just say, hold up. Where did you learn that word? And then really try to get to the core of where they learned it. And then I want you to ask them, do you know what that means? You're not going to take it personally. Okay, you're not going to remotely think that maybe they're right. Uh, Hopefully, you'll have the wherewithal to recognize that they picked up that word from said parent, not you. And it's a really great opportunity, a learning, teaching moment with your kids as to what that means. And I remember my kids, gosh, this is probably about five or six years ago. Um, They didn't call me a narcissist, but I was definitely putting down a boundary and my son really, it was like he just turned into his father for a second and he just said something that had the attempt to make me feel guilty for putting down a rule. It was actually, I was punishing, for, it was like the, the, my two boys were fighting and I was punishing him. And he had said something to me that was just so straight out of his father's handbook. I almost took it personally, you know? I mean, it triggered me and I wanted to just like, scream at him as if I was like screaming at his father. Well, the first thing I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to take a pause and I need to cool down because what you just said to me really bothers me. And I need a minute. So I need you to go to your room and I'll come down to see you in 10 minutes once I've regrouped. Okay. So that gave me some time to just chill out. The next thing I did was is exactly what I just suggested. Where did you learn that word? Or where did you learn to speak to someone that way? Do you think that's okay? Because it's not okay in my handbook. And start walking through scenarios of what if someone started to treat you that way? What if someone started to speak to you that way? How would you feel? 
And then through that entire awesome conversation, I mean, it was so long ago, and that just tells you that I remember it, that I got to a pretty um, telling, I guess, moment when I asked my son, where did you learn to speak that way? And he said, dad, dad speaks to me that way. And then it was actually not the way I was expecting, but he was very upset. And it was like he was like giving up and he didn't know um, how else to communicate. And I could just tell he was frustrated because he's been watching someone not know how to communicate anger, which is his father. And so he was starting to learn some bad habits as to how to express anger. And so I was just kind of stunned and floored, a little bit speechless, but you know, then I kind of got my coaching hat on and I said, there are so many other ways to communicate anger over yelling uh, or rather than yelling and rather than um, projecting. Of course, I didn't use that word, but depending on how old you are, you can explain what projection means. But this was something that I, I really helped and say, when you feel anger, when you feel an emotion, what comes from that? And how are we going to communicate that? Okay, so that's kind of a really good opportunity for you. Should your kids start to push back? You're the captain of the ship. You're the CEO of your life, as I say in my book. You're in charge. When a subordinate on your ship starts to get mouthy with you, you do not take it personally. They don't know any better. You know more. You're in charge. And you have a lot more years of living than they do. So you have a lot more experience. So check in with yourself. Don't take it personally. If you start to take it personally, you're going to walk away and say, you need a moment. But then don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of these accusations because they're a teaching moment, especially with our kids. And when someone is saying to you, especially the narcissist saying that you're a narcissist, just know they are experiencing a narcissistic injury and they're actually having a massive anxiety attack and they don't like how that feels because they have no emotional intelligence that they're going to project it onto you so that you what? Own it. So now that you've listened to this episode, just a little kind of quick tidbit here on what to do if someone calls you a narcissist now that I hope you know what to do. And um, I'd love to hear, um, I'm going to be putting this on my Instagram account. Um, and I'm, I'm really getting into Instagram. So if you guys are uh, new to me, I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram. It's kind of the best way for me to engage with people right now. Facebook has just completely disappointed me. Um, I'll also be putting it on my website, uh, show notes, etc. So um, as well as YouTube. So anywhere, whatever channel that you like, I would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, please engage. Please engage with, you, with each other. Because one thing I noticed is that when you're in the situation, you think you're all alone. You are not. I have, I don't know how many thousands, maybe even close to 100,000 subscribers here um, who are all going through the same thing. So the more you show your comment on whatever social channel that I have, it's helping someone. I just want you guys to know that it's helping someone. It's not so much about me responding to you guys. I want you all to start communicating with each other. Okay. So again, thanks for listening. And I hope to see you on the next episode. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unbreakable You. Be sure to visit my website at lindsayellison.com and shoot me a note. I love to hear from my listeners. You can also find my book, Magic Words, How to Get What You Want from a Narcissist on Amazon or Audible. 
and check out my digital worksheet to accompany the book that you can find on my website. All of my podcasts are also on YouTube where you can watch me in action. Make sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, keep being your badass self and live your best life.